sit down, grab a blanket, and snuggle up with your furry family, because it's time for Your Pet Matters with Dr. T of Progressive Veterinary Care, where Dr. Michael Takiwa will discuss everything you need to know to keep your fuzzy friends happy, healthy, and safe. Your Pet Matters is underwritten by Progressive Veterinary Care, 390 County Road, Route 518, Skillman. For more information online, it's ProgressiveVeterinaryCare.com. Here he is now, only on 1077 The Bronx. Good morning and welcome to Your Pet Matters. I'm your host, Michael Dr. T. Tikiwa, and I really wanted to start talking about something that is incredibly important to me. It stems from a series of events that occurred this week. This week, three members of my prof- profession committed suicide, and one came from my vet school, the Atlantic Vet College, graduate of 2011. They're all fairly young. Um, I can't speak for what causes that led to these things, but I, I would like to address that issue and just to address the profession in general. It's a sad state of affairs when in my profession right now, less than half of active veterinarians currently in practice would actually recommend this as a career path to others. It's it's sad. It's sad. And part of this is just the stressors that the profession holds. They're currently doing studies to see whether, you know, is this profession one that attracts individuals of that ilk that can lead to things like this. Um, But when you look at the data, there's a lot of things that occur that are beyond the control of your veterinarian. Um, there, even was a famous veterinarian. Um, her name was Dr. Sophia Yin, pioneer in positive reinforcement dog trainings. When you look at her from the outside, her videos, her books, very well known. She had a blog, website, very well known, and apparently doing well. But inside, she struggled with issues of inadequacy and the financial pressures of running a business. And in the end, she took her own life. That was back in 2014. So it's it's something that's incredibly serious and there's a lot of debate as to what's going on, but I'm just going to give you my two cents on that situation. And I want this to be a discussion of both those within the profession and pet parents. And I think a lot of pet parents need to simply understand. And by understand, I mean, let's talk about the prominent issues. So in my neck of the woods, the which is the Princeton area, the range of starting salaries for a veterinarian anywhere from 60 to approximately $100,000 a year. The range of starting salary for a human medical doctor is at least twice that. I think on average for the, for the United States was $242,000. It was almost like multiple times greater than that of a veterinarian. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is that there is always talk about your student debt load, whether you're a lawyer, a doctor, or a veterinarian. The difference being 
is that the added stress given to a veterinarian is that their starting salary is incredibly low. So if you have a average debt load of, I always call it a house, a house in my area. So it's $300,000 student debt coming up. You're making sixty dollars to $80,000 starting off. You have to pay three dollars to $5,000 a month just to pay this debt off for the next 10 to 30 years. And you've got nothing to live on. And so that is one of the things I would like people to understand. They, there, there's this misconception that we as veterinarians make a crap load of money. And that simply isn't true. Yes, there are some veterinarians out there who make some good money, but overall the profession is underpaid, overworked, and prone to stressors that are out of their control. And there's a lot of talk out there, well, why is this so expensive and you know, how come this costs so much? So the other thing I want you to understand is just the cost of things and the difference between human medicine and pet medicine. So you as a human patient walk into your doctor, you pay a copay, and then you get blood work done, you get sent for radiographs, whatever, and then you're treated. You really don't see that bill. And you're not really getting your radiographs at your doctor's clinic. You're sent elsewhere to get that. So two concepts I want you to understand is that when you walk into your doctor's clinic and look around, you're typically going to see uh, two receptions, let's say, a few nurses and a doctor. That is the number of team members. When you walk into a veterinary clinic, there's probably twice as many team members there. So immediately, a veterinarian has twice as much salaries to pay. Secondly, when you look around that clinic, when you look around the human doctor's clinic, you're going to see computers, each exam room is going to be equipped with equipment to measure your blood pressure, look at your eyes, check your ears, there's a nice wax paper covered table to sit on, there's a computer terminal, but rarely do you see anything more than that. They have a little pharmacy that they get the freebies that the drug companies have given you to, to start you off on whatever medication dose you have. There's a little lab where they pull blood, a blood spinner, etc. That's about it. Now, what you have to conceptualize is that when you walk into the typical veterinarian hospital, you have, you look to your left, let's say, and you see a complete radiology suite. So it's equivalent to being sent for x-rays at the radiology clinic. Then you look to the middle and you're going to see a complete surgery suite. So it's equivalent to being referred for outpatient surgery at a surgery clinic. Then you look slightly right of center, you'll see a full dental suite. So it is equivalent to actually going to your dentist's office. Then you look way to the right and you're gonna see a complete lab. So it's actually equivalent to you going to a lab and getting your blood pulled and all the machines there. And then you look farther and you see a completely stocked pharmacy, which is equivalent to you going to a pharmacy. So the point I'm trying to make here is, it is a hospital. It contains all the components of all the specialty clinics that you go to 
And so with that, you have this underlying inherent cost. To put things in perspective for those of you pet parents who don't know, typical radiology setup is $100,000. Typical surgery setup, $30,000. I have a laparoscopic space setup in that surgery, $60,000. Um, we carry about $50,000 worth of medications at one time. Our dental setup is a good $20,000. So it's huge. It's huge, huge, huge. We need an oxygen generator. It's a few thousand dollars. It is huge compared to the human doctor's office. So there's an inherent cost. Plus, we have twice as many team members there. So that's why your bill is what it is. And then when you go to emergency centers, they have specialty equipment beyond what I have. Things like CT scans, MRIs. They, they have a um, oncology suite that they can actually have all the oncology drugs. So there's we're talking millions and millions of dollars of equipment. So when you actually look at your bill, ironically, the bills that you pay for your pets for the equivalent procedures done in human medicine is significantly, multiple times less. So it there is an inherent cost. And these specialty referral centers have multiples of doctors, specialists there, and their support team. So it's huge, huge, huge. So understand where a veterinarian is coming from as far as things go that way. There is not a single veterinarian practicing in this world who said they wanted to go into this profession to make a lot of money. We, we knew going into the profession that it's not a money-making thing, but I want to change that. I think that, you know, we are, we're, damn it, we're worth it. <laughs> We're worth that money. That the team members, they're they're incredibly underpaid. Um, I was comparing what my salary is to to anything else out there, and it's 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 it, you know it's surprising. It's surprising what you could do if you didn't go into veterinary medicine that you can um, make a lot of money, um, et cetera. But none of us did that. Um, but I I think it's fair. Like you're dealing with these individuals that are putting ourselves at risk. Don't don't forget, we have been on the pet front lines from the beginning of COVID, and yet we're struggling to get vaccinated for COVID. It's just one of those things. So, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of understanding that I'm going to ask people to, to get. So let's take a short break and we'll come back and continue talking about this right here on Your Pet Matters, 1077, 1077thebronc.com. We're back with Your Pet Matters with Dr. T of Progressive Veterinary Care, discussing everything you need to know to keep your furry friends happy, healthy, and safe. Only on 1077 The Bronx. Welcome back, and if you're just joining us, it's me, Dr. T, right here on Your Pet Matters. And we've been talking about, uh, you know, something that's, that's pretty recent and dear to my heart is the fact that this week three veterinarians committed suicide. And I was talking about the things that, the struggles... There's always this discussion about, in my profession, they're called struggles. Why should we be dealing with all these struggles? Um, you know, we, we worked our butts off to get to this level of becoming a veterinarian. It's incredibly tough to become a veterinarian, and yet we're dealing with struggles. And they're financial struggles, they're social struggles, um, and there's this, there's this graph about the things that um, really affect the demands of a veterinarian and, and have what relation they had towards suicide. 
One of them is, is and I have to do, is client grief. Um, client grief. I, I think it's, it's, it's incredible to me the level of respect that is exhibited. Before I, before I, or lack of, I should say, before I actually applied to veterinary medicine, we're listed as one of the most respected practices ever. And it's interesting because the, the behavior that some clients exhibit is incredible lack of respect. And I can, I can use personal examples in this because it's just crazy. I, I've, I've had, this week, I've had a client demand not to pay until the scripts that we wrote for their um, therapeutic prescription diet were in their hands. I'm not going to pay you until in hands. These, this is just so, you know, in the human world, this would never be tolerated. You better see my pet today at this time. Why can't you? Why can't you stay open later? Why can't you stay open later for me? It's it's these bizarre demands that I think in the human world would just be no, 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 no. And I'm not sure if it's because we are ov always advocating patient care. Number one thing is patient care to us. Patient care, client services, and it's always at a cost. Everything you do is always tends to be at a cost somewhere else. And it's interesting, and it's like um, one of the one of the struggles I face is I'm advocating for your pet's best interest from a health standpoint, and it becomes a negotiation. In the human world, this wouldn't exist. I have a theory about this, but in the human world, this wouldn't exist. Um, in the human world, I don't really hear things like, "Well, I have to go on vacation, so I'm not going to do this medically for my pet." I, I, I you know. Well, I gotta go, so you better hurry up and do this. This would not be tolerated in the human, human world. In the human world, um, I've literally had a client hang up on my admin just because they didn't. I'm not talking to you. Boom, nothing to do with this. And it's it's. I've had a client. Go, I gotta go. Was dropping off a hospitalized pet. I gotta go. And then when I talked to them, they were the, the, the urgency was they were going shopping. When I called them several minutes later to update them on the case, they were literally shopping. If that's I gotta go, I don't know what you know. I I <laughs> I just don't I just don't know what to say. <laughs> um, it's it's interesting. It's interesting. And and the other thing I, I see a lot, and I'm sure my colleagues do, is that we see these these pets these purchase purebred pets come in and, and we actually get to see the part of the paperwork is how much this pet costs and it's, it's very interesting when you see these pets like five thousand dollars is not uncommon for a puppy and to have a discussion can you imagine the discussion that five thousand dollars for this puppy and yet we're we're haggling over a a preventative and preventative i mean by like heartworm and tick preventative well, I don't want to spend that on my. These are things we we are recommending. We being the the veterinary medical profession is recommending things that are going to allow this five thousand dollar puppy to live a long and healthy life. And there was, let's pay this five thousand dollars for this puppy, but then let's not pay to get this puppy to a better state of medical well being. Just it's just it's so interesting. Or um, I hear well they're. 10 years old, you know, 
And so in many cases, 10 years old could be late 50s, early 60s. So if your human medical doctor said, well, you're 60, so I'm, I'm, you know, don't bother even doing this, 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 and this. You don't need supplements. You don't need any blood work or anything like that. Um, the other thing that, that I find is that, you know, pets do age more rapidly than us. And it's funny because, like, you know, we in the profession, we're advocating more often blood panels. And in the human world, if you're on any medication, your doctor's not going to refill your prescription unless you've had blood work every three months. Well, that would be like ridiculously short time in a pet world. And we're asking to, we're asking for blood work approximately in two years in a pet's life, every two years, and we get pushback. So these are things that, that really, 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 not only they, 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 I'm fascinatedly frustrated by this. It blows my mind. But getting back to my theory about why this happens is that in the vet world, there's this, you have to pay for the services because many people do not have pet insurance. So if this is a plug to get pet insurance, I am begging you, get pet insurance. It not only gives you peace of mind in medically difficult situations, it enables someone like me to actually offer you the best medicine. So we are we are constantly going from offering the best medicine to not be able not being able to offer that simply because you as pet parents may it, it's fine. If there's a financial issue, we have options for that. If there's a belief issue, I'll have a discussion with you. If you simply don't want to do it and have a priority to put your money elsewhere, that is what becomes taxing to your veterinarian. But pet insurance will definitively help you help you um, do that. I think pet insurance, it's like any other insurance, it's there when you need it. It covers um, a lot of the medical bills for, for medical emergencies. And so for you pet parents out there who are thinking about it, um, the earlier you get it, before there's pre-existing conditions, that's what it is. Um, if there is a pre-existing condition, sometimes the insurance companies will not cover it. In most cases, they will not cover it. Um, and when you do have to take your pet to a referral center, it is thousands of dollars by the time you leave that center if they're there for several days. So pet insurance will pay for itself in that moment. Um, and I myself have pet insurance. Even with my quote unquote veterinary discount at the referral centers for my last dog, the bill was thousands, tens of thousands of dollars. Um, and in the end, we had to make a decision and I couldn't bring her home. So th this is what life is. So I would definitely get um, pet insurance. but. The, the my theory about this is that you're paying for these vet services and because you're paying versus you don't really see the bill in the human world. In fact, you don't see the bill. If you saw the bill, you would realize how much your human medical bills are versus your pet bills for the same thing. And I challenge the human profession to provide the same customer communication and timeliness as we do in the vet profession. I don't even get to talk to my human medical doctor friend. I, I have to call to find out the blood work results as we're calling, we're actively calling you as a pet parent to do that. And it's a fraction of the cost you would have to pay, but you see that bill and there's some tendency to demand that I'm paying for this, I better get the service. And then we become compared to service at a, a restaurant you better give me the best service you better because i'm paying for this and it's it's very heartbreaking for a lot of veterinarians to uh, to find that and then as a result you're going to get a range of vet 
practices. You're going to get those practices that we call we call low cost, high volume practices where things are done incredibly cheap. There's a lot of things not done from a medical standpoint, but they're cheap. And that ranges from regular wellness care all the way to surgeries. And then you get concierge service where everything is done to the utmost. And I'm kind of somewhere in between. I'm trying to offer the best medical approach at a reasonable price to lead to the best medical outcomes for your pets. So it's 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 an interesting interesting world we live in. <laughs> an interesting world we live in. But um, bottom line is, I think that you have to understand where we're coming from. We're not just trying to quote unquote rip you off. We're not in it for the money. But it is valid and more than valid to say that we can't do something for free. It, I have team members that are reliant on me to have money to put food on their table. And if I did everything for free, it would be non-viable. And even having said this, there are, at my practice alone, there's tens of thousands of dollars of discounted services. That could have been food on the table for a lot of people. And yet we as veterinarians feel that we have to do this and we shouldn't. We shouldn't. Let's take a break. We'll come back right here on Your Pet Matters, 1077, 1077thebronc.com. Every weekend, you'll find a project to get involved with. And sometimes it'll include your scaly or furry partner in crime. From Your Pet Matters with Dr. T, it's time for Producers Pet Project. Your go-to for pet news, recall alerts, adoption services, and overall helpful tips and tricks to keep your best friend happy and healthy. Producers Pet Project is underwritten in part by Progressive Veterinary Care. Hello everyone, I hope you're enjoying this episode of Your Pet Matters. I'm your producer Wade Buchanan, and today I want to talk about what a vet usually does during a routine checkup. Everybody loves their pets and wants to do everything possible to keep them happy and healthy. A nutritious diet based on age and breed, exercise and playtime are all essential parts of a healthy lifestyle. It is also important to make sure your pet receives good medical care, including routine checkups or wellness exams from a veterinarian. They'll often have questions for the owner, and the first thing they will do is ask the owner any questions during the checkup. Common question concerns any changes in your pet's eating or drinking habits, weight gain or loss, or coughing or diarrhea. The vet may also ask about panting or scratching, or especially if it's an older animal, signs of problems with balance or a range of motion. The next step is taking vital signs. The vet or a vet tech will take your pet's vital signs including measuring temperature, pulse, respiration rate, and weight. Any significant changes in vital signs can indicate problems that may require treatment, and comparing the current measurements to past records can help the vet decide what diagnostic test might be needed now or in the future. The next phase is the examination. A physical examination of a pet often begins with a head-to-toe inspection of the animal. Checking the abdomen for swollen organs or painful areas and examining legs, feet, and joints. The reproductive organs are also examined. Depending on the type of animal, the vet also typically inspects the eyes, ears, and mouths of pets, as many symptoms manifest in these areas. Vets also typically use a stethoscope to check lung and heart functions of the animal. 
The next phase are vaccinations. Vets use wellness exams to confirm that pets are up to date with their vaccinations. Making sure that your pet is properly vaccinated is important to protect your pet's health and to prevent the spread of dangerous diseases. Pets can receive vaccines to immunize them against conditions including distemper, rabies, hepatitis, chlamydia, feline leukemia, and Lyme disease. The final phase are health screenings. The vet may also suggest a number of diagnostic screenings based on the age and condition of your pet. Common screenings include a complete blood count, biochemistry, urinalysis, testing for heartworms, testing feces for parasites, and abdominal or full body x-rays. Previously, I talked about vaccinations. Well, actually, vets often give these vaccinations on two categories, whether it's essential and non-essential vaccinations. And this can vary between each animal, but most specifically, we'll stick with dogs and cats. Essential dog vaccines target serious and prevalent diseases of distemper, hepatitis, parainfluenza, parvovirus, and rabies. One vaccine, the distemper shot, protects against all four of these diseases except rabies. The rabies vaccine is administered by itself. If the rabies virus is contracted, it's fatal for all mammals and possibly fatal and very dangerous for humans. Rabies vaccinations for dogs are required by state law. After the rabies vaccine is administered, dogs are required to wear a tag indicating they have received this vaccination. That way, if they ever bite someone, there's evidence the rabies vaccine was administered and the vet can be contacted. Depending on where you live, your vet might recommend a host of non-essential vaccines for a variety of diseases that dogs can be vaccinated against. Dogs like to drink from all sources of water. Leptospirosis is a bacterial infection common in most climates or where there are lots of areas of standing water. This disease can also spread from dogs to humans. Lyme disease is a threat that if you go hiking in the great outdoors with your dog, go camping, or live by open fields and woods and let your dog roam and exercise. Lyme disease is a bacterial infection carried by ticks. The disease is common in the west and east coast and around the Great Lakes. Known as kennel cough, the Bordetella virus causes upper respiratory infection. You'll notice this because your dog will cough continuously and expel mucus. It's commonly spread from exposure to other dogs. Your vet may administer this vaccine if you board or groom your dog or bring your dog to a dog park. Similar to kennel cough, but more dangerous is canine influenza. This is a viral upper respiratory disease. The first known outbreak began at a Florida racetrack in 2004. From there, it spreads across the country. Like kennel cough, outbreaks are common in animal shelters and kennels. Here are the essential and non-essential cat vaccines. Essential cat vaccines target the diseases of feline viral rhicotraceitis, calivirus, and panleukopenia. This feline distemper vaccine is similar to distemper shots for dogs and covers all these diseases. Rabies is also a serious threat to cats and this vaccine is administered by itself. Rabies vaccinations for cats are also required by state law and cats are required to wear a tag indicating they have received the rabies vaccination. Depending on where you live, your vet may recommend a host of non-essential vaccines as well. Here are some of the common diseases based on geographic regions and other factors that a cat can be vaccinated against. Feline chlamydia conjunctivitis is a bacterial infection. The conjunctivia is a thin membrane that covers the eye and lines of the eyelid. These areas may become infected and cause the eyes to fill with pus. 
Feline immunodeficiency is a viral infection transmitted through close contact with other cats. This vaccine is generally only administered to outdoor cats. Feline infectious peritonitis is a viral infection common among cat breeders and colonies of roaming cats. It's also almost always fatal. Most house cats don't have a risk of this disease. Known as kennel cough, the Bordetella virus causes upper respiratory infections. Like with dogs, you'll notice your cat will cough and expel mucus. It's commonly spread from exposure to other cats. Your vet may administer this vaccine if you board or groom your cat. Well, that's all the time I have for this episode. Tune in next week where I give you more tips and tricks on how to keep your furry friends happy, healthy, and safe. Until then, back to Dr. T and Your Pet Matters. I'm your producer, Wade Buchanan, and I will see you in the next one. Stay safe, everyone. That was today's segment of Producers Pet Project. Your one stop for all things pet news, recall alerts, adoption services, and more. Be sure to tune in next time. And for a more in-depth conversation, listen to Your Pet Matters with Dr. T every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Producers Pet Project is underwritten in part by Progressive Veterinary Care. Only on 107.7 The Bronx. We're back with Your Pet Matters with Dr. T of Progressive Veterinary Care, discussing everything you need to know to keep your furry friends happy, healthy, and safe. Only on 1077 The Bronx. Okay, now it's recording. Okay, right. cool. Test. One, two, three. Okay, let me turn the timer on. Is it off? Is the thing on? Say off? No, it's oxed out, right? Okay. Okay. All right. Okay, dude, so we look at this. Okay, let, let's okay. Let, let's re- let's start recording. So, so this is a cold thing. You you have no idea what we're going to talk about, right? Okay, so basically just tell me what we're going to kind of talk about. Okay, so there's a thing called, it's a Facebook page, and it's called, not one more vet. And you know what that means? Let me see if I can pull it up here on the computer here for you. And so, it was created by veterinarians. You know why? Why? Because my profession, dude, has the highest rate of suicide. Not one more vet, please. There's not one more vet. And on the site, you'll see things like this site is a safe place for veterinarians to discuss personal feelings about work and life. We're here to support each other. So there's all these things they talk about, and on this on the site. So, so I was talking about earlier about how you know there's a lot of struggles that people in my profession face. Mm. So you you've got a little glimpse into what I face, right? Yeah. So so. In your opinion, what it's sort recording. of was that? It's recording. Yeah, I know it's recording. Yeah, so that's why that's what we're here talking about. Wait, 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 wait. Can we just? Uh, I thought we were just gonna know what we were gonna talk about, and then we're gonna actually do the real vid thing. Well, this is this is the real thing because this is live, right? I want I want your honest opinions about stuff. So, so I don't you, really know what to do with this. What? Never mind. You don't want to talk about this. No, I do. I just said I just said I don't really know why we're talking about this. Oh, because the reason why we're talking about this is because this week three veterinarians 
committed suicide. And one was from my school. What like, do you mean committed suicide? They, they took their own life. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. Did so they get drunk? No, I don't think it's that. I don't think it's that. So, so there's a lot of struggles, right? You, you see, so what I wanted to talk about is you've seen what I had to deal with, right? You, 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 yeah, I come home and I talk about stuff, with. right? So, so I just wanted to talk about just those types of things. Yeah, I know what you're doing with um, crazy clients, firing employees, stuff. Okay, okay. So, <laughs> see, this is that's why this is cold, right? This is cold and it's, it's, uh, cold being fresh and, and genuine and everything like that. So, yeah, so those are the, the right? So, so the, the struggles that I face are, um, when you're talking about it's it's like I came home and I talked about a couple of the things that happened at the clinic right with clients and everything like that yeah. right and then in the past I've talked about the struggles that I have with the team right it's about people it's all about people right yeah. all about people right and does does anything I talk about um, when, when we when we discuss these things anything have to do with me being a doctor of animals Does it? Does does me dealing with people have to be with the doctor of animals? The types of struggles that I have with people, do you think that has to do with being a uh, doctor of veterinary medicine? Well, I mean, you did tell me once that being a veterinarian is hard because, I mean, I'm pretty sure I've said this in another video. I'm not so sure, but I'm going to say it again if I already did because I don't remember. Um, I don't know. I remember you said that... Um, like, um, being a veterinarian is hard, and sometimes when you tell a client that, um, I don't know, give this food to your pet, do this with your pet, make sure your pet gets enough, gets like, you know, an hour of exercise, and then they either are going to do it on one condition or won't do it, or something like that. Okay, so it's, it's, uh, I guess the way I would, I would talk about that is they don't, they don't listen to my recommendations. Is that what you say? Yeah. Yeah. So, so are my are what I recommend is that is is that for the best interests of the pet? It's basically, you know, well, probably the pet doesn't like it or whatever because you know the pet doesn't really know what's going on. But I mean, it's for the pet's life to save it, basically, or something like that. So, so one of the struggles that we face in veterinary medicine is that we're recommending things that are best for the pet and then the clients sometimes won't do that and I think that's a struggle sometimes the clients can't do that they can't do that because they can't afford it or they just choose not to do they it. they choose not to do it or they don't believe it's the right thing or one of the struggles that we face is that they 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 will listen to someone else we always joke about listening to a yeah. relative, a neighbor, a friend, someone who who is not a veterinarian, giving them advice, and and they or they doesn't really do have any experience with that stuff. I mean, there's also one thing too. A lot of a lot of um clients and pet owners. I'm not trying to be mean, but you know, I mean, I mean, a pet is considered property. I don't have anything against that, but because a pet is considered property, some people think they have the right to like you know do stuff that they want instead of doing stuff that their um, pet needs because sometimes a pet is considered a member of the family. Right. How do we consider our chica? Well, she's right there. We treat her like a family member except we don't give her human food 
or human clothing, or and she doesn't. Wait, you know that's not true about the human food, right? Oh, okay, okay. Well, we give her a bit of human food. Dad gives her toast and oatmeal and Chobani yogurt, which is why Chica doesn't pass gas. Okay, that was actually too much information. Yeah. Um, I take that back. <laughs> okay, so, so let's let's get back to this this vet thing. So, and then you've you've heard me talk about finances too, right? Not only my finances, clinic finances, everything. Do you think there's some struggles that that veterinarians face in that? Well, I mean, some people, I mean, some clients, I mean, forget about the whole they choose not to do a thing. For the people that choose to do it, sometimes after, like, you know, the vet bill and stuff around here, it's pretty expensive. Like, I don't know, it goes up to a couple hundred to like a thousand dollars, maybe even two thousand. And some people aren't willing to pay that money because, I mean... I mean, some guy dealt with just bought a new truck or something like that. Some, I mean, some people are like that, where they where they buy something like a brand new vehicle or a brand new TV or a, or a new house or or rent or just or any of that stuff. Or other people, they just can't afford it. Or right. They want, so, or they want, or basically they want to use so, the money. So, else. so let let there are people who some people can't afford it. Yeah, that's. Um, some people can clearly afford it and choose not to do it. And yes, it's interesting because one of the things is that they, like you said, they make a choice not to do that. It's it's the way we talk about it are prioritized. Um, yeah. It it is it is incredibly heartbreaking. And they, and it's funny how some people will say that. Well, I I'm going to go on vacation, so I don't want to spend money on this or something like that. So it's it's interesting how they prior, prioritize things. But yes, yeah. I did have the truck thing. I did have someone who. Actually, he ended up not. Well, actually, we we got the money from him six months later, whatever. Well, I didn't mean, pay his yeah. bill. Didn't want to do. We give different payment options, and he didn't want to do those payment options. He, he he was screaming something about. He just bought a new truck and didn't want his credit to be affected or something. It was something something very like that that we don't like need that. to talk yeah. about because it happened. It happened even before the pandemic, I think. Was it before the pandemic? It might have been I, during the pandemic. I think so. Maybe, but, maybe like, you know. I don't know, maybe something like that. But, I so, mean, so what, there are what, people like that. What about finances? Because I've been pretty open with you about my own finances and everything like that. I so. mean, the thing is, like, you know, depending on how much money, like, you know, the business makes, because you're the owner, so you have to pay the employees and then pay for the equipment and stuff like that and the rent and then you know there's like nothing for yourself i mean i mean i get that you have to put your team still i mean i guess that you have to put your other stuff before your own stuff but i mean still that's why i'm always happy when you when you guys gross like ten thousand dollars because i mean at least there's some money for you which then the money goes for the family so we can buy stuff that we need wow See, so it's it, so I'm very open with this kid about a bunch of things. So, so you know, it's like it, it, vets don't make a lot of money. The, the take home, the percent take home is quite low. Um, so it's a misperception that's out in the profession there that we, we're loaded and we make a lot of money because they get this bill. But when you look at the expenses, and I talked about that, I talked like we are a hospital, so there's huge expenses, and we have more team members, etc. And then in my case, as I told you, right, I'm trying to. My, my version of change is to pay my employees really well. And, well, that, that's good. I yeah. mean, at least the thing is, since, you know, well, 
the thing is you got to make sure that the employees that they actually do their job well they do i mean that's good that's good you yeah. just got to make sure that they do their job but still you have to pay them yeah no it's i'm i'm really happy with that so yeah yeah, yeah business is going good eh so what do you think do you think business is going good for me right now i don't know you're only saying that you make a lot of money oh do i make a lot of money okay your business makes a lot of money. We gross specific. a lot, but gross versus net, right? I mean, because gross. You don't take, like, the entire thing home with you. You still have to pay the rent, pay the other stuff, pay the team members, and then, you know, like, you only take a percentage home. Yeah. Get, get Well, so in my practice, what do you think my percentage is? Maybe one or possibly zero, because that's what he sometimes usually is. Sometimes. But it's it's more than one, but it's less than ten. So if if hmm. daddy grosses ten grand, right? You get one. What's 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 ten percent of ten thousand? That would be too much. Ten percent of ten thousand. So ten, what's ten percent of ten thousand? Um, I don't really know that. Hundred bucks. Oh, I mean, hundred bucks is kind of a lot of money. It can no, pay for bucks. some. No, ten percent oh. is thousand bucks. Okay, a thousand bucks, bucks is a lot of money. That, that's ten percent. Yeah, that can pay for a few weeks of groceries for us. That's good. It could be ten percent of a ten thousand. That's a one tenth of ten thousand. One tenth of ten thousand is a thousand. Yeah, it's pretty good. But actually, out of ten thousand, my take home is much less than that. Okay, so how how much is your take home? One hundred. Less, less than ten. No, more than a hundred. Okay, than 10. about maybe five hundred. Yeah. So it's interesting. I mean, five hundred that can still pay for about two days. But ten thousand dollars is a lot of money, isn't it? Right? But it's what it's what you net. That's the important thing. Hey I mean, dude. Time's up. Look okay. at that. Oh, I guess we've got to yeah. go. We got to touch on a couple things. Thanks for uh talking to me. No problem. Thanks for Wait, we're not doing another one after this? Educating your friends. No, I only need the one session. Well, me and you could do another show, but yeah. this was just one little show there. Uh huh? So to kind of the people people watching are realizing how open I am with you, right? Actually, how smart you are. You know why you're smart? You know why you're smart? Uh, Guess why you're uh, smart. Guess why? You know the reason why you're smart? I don't know. Because you got your mom's genes. That's why you're smart. Well, what are your genes? But you look like this. <laughs> so what's her tagline? What's daddy's tagline? Uh, thanks for pay. watching. Thanks, yeah, for, thanks watching. for watching. Love your pet like they love you unconditionally and have a great day slash night. Whatever. I don't care. What he said. <laughs> that was Your Pet Matters with Dr. T of Progressive Veterinary Care. You can tune in right here every Saturday at 10 a.m. Or to hear more right now, you can go to 1077thebronc.com slash yourpetmatters where you can download past episodes as podcasts on your favorite platform like Apple, Google, Spotify, and more. Your Pet Matters is underwritten by Progressive Veterinary Care, 390 County Road, Route 518, Skillman. For more information online, it's progressiveveterinarycare.com. We'll see you next time, only on 1077 The Bronx.